change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, today should be an episode where we're just happy the entire time. And we will get to the happy in a bit because we're going to the Grey Cup, buddy. And we're going to the Grey Cup in our own building. Like, that's awesome. I, I, know, I, I know that there's obviously fan bases out there that don't like us, don't like the Ticats, and I get that. But as a Ticat fan for your entire life, this feels great. Like I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to be in the stands with my team that I've cheered for since I was a child playing for a championship. I couldn't ask for anything more. And I know you won't, unfortunately, you won't be here with us physically. You'll be here with us in spirit. But this, that that's freaking cool, is it not? Yeah, for, uh, you know, a city that hasn't had the Grey Cup since 1996 to get it in uh, 2021 um, for the first time since then and to have your home team Playing in the game, it's uh, you couldn't write a script any better for that. No, it's just got to end with a victory, but we'll get to that uh, another time. Unfortunately, though, this is not just going to be us jubilantly talking about the Ticats' victory over the Argos on Sunday. Because in the aftermath of that game, what we've seen, at, we are recording this on a Tuesday night, the last couple of days, some of the videos that have come out of, of altercations between players and fans, uh, like the... Uh, and by that I mean Argos players, Argos management, Ticat fans, has been, quite frankly, disgusting. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with, with the stupid Ticat fans and then we'll get into the stupid Argo people? Or do you want to start yeah. with the Argos yeah. and then get into the Ticats? Let's get the Ticat stuff out of the way. How dumb? Okay, okay you know what? I won't even say dumb. Explain. Can you explain this to me? Because I, 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 I... A lot of these videos show especially the more recent ones that we've seen, Ticat fans standing by the Argos entrance, booing them and yelling, nobody blows like the Argos, as they're walking off the field into the locker room, while the team you cheer for is on the field celebrating the fact that they're going to a, a championship game, where thousands of your compatriots are out there cheering on that team, and you're standing in a line to boo the team that lost? Like, I know I can be a jerk, um, especially on social media. I know people don't like me. Whatever. I don't understand the mindset in being a fan. When I, when, when, when I go to games, I cheer for my team to win. If they lose, I'm upset about it for a bit. I walk out the stadium doors, and it's gone. If they win, I'm happy. But once I walk out of the stadium, it's kind of gone. When I go to a playoff game, especially a game where you win to go then play the Grey Cup in your home stadium. I would have been, because I wasn't at BMO, but if I was, 
I would have been in that sea of Ticat fans cheering on the guys on the field, not going to. I, I, you understand? You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand the mindset of people who would rather boo the Argos off the field than celebrate with the Ticats on it. It, it just blows my mind. That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, you know, enjoy the victory. We just had a great comeback win in the second half. We're going to the Grey Cup in Hamilton. You know, just leave the stadium and go go have a couple more drinks or something or do whatever you want to do. But uh, to hang around just to, you know, verbally assault and then throw beer cans at the opposing team is just stupid. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, not there's not a lot, but there is some stupid Ticat fans, idiotic Ticat fans, and that's those those guys were some of them, and it was very unfortunate. And uh, I just I just wish that people wouldn't judge us by you know a few, and and I think it you know people say it's more than a few, and that's fine, but um, I totally you know I'm embarrassed by what yep. these Ticat fans. Yeah, they it's 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 embarrassing. It's you're throwing beers, you're you're jumping barricades. I'm gonna say this. Um as a lifelong wrestling fan, I've always lived by the idea if a fan jumps the barricade and gets his ass beat, he deserves it. The the Ticat fan that jumped over the barricade and then was swarmed by Argo players, I got no problem with what those Argo players did. Um no. fans stay in the stands, period. You jump onto the field, you jump into their area you're taking your life in your own hands as far as I'm concerned. I have got no problem because there there was an incident with with players that we'll get into with a second where I'll take the other the other side of this. But on this, you see the video where the guy jumps you're you're like what are you thinking? Like mm-hmm. if he would have gotten beaten down I would have had absolutely zero issues with that whatsoever. You you stay in your seats. That's where the fans belong. Unless you're invited onto the field or into that area, you do not cross that line. And that's kind of that where this area, like you what you saw was fans throwing garbage, fans throwing beers, fans jumping the barricades. It was you said an embarrassment, that's exactly what it was. It's 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 embarrassing to be associated with those people as football fans, Ticat fans, CFL fans, as human beings, quite frankly. Like if any of those people that did those things listen to this show, I hope you stop. Because yeah. you're you're not a fan, you're a moron. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's it's just uh, really unfortunate. And um, I don't know what else to say is that they're just they're just freaking idiots, yeah. uh, dumbasses, and uh, uh, that shouldn't have been done. There's no there's no excuse for it. I, I'm not defending them in any way. Um, I know people think that I was on Twitter, but that was not the case. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about those idiotic Ticat fans. And now we can move on to the idiots in double blue because this is not... No one comes out of this looking good. No one comes out of this looking like the aggrieved party. There is blame to go all around. And I think one of the chief instigators of all this, um, as we've seen from the videos, was Chris Edwards. Um, he jumped into the, into the stands and I don't know what people are. I, I've seen some of the comments. I know you've seen some of the comments cause we talked about it before we recorded that. Oh, he, what he didn't jump into the stands. You literally see a dude climbing a wall to get mm-hmm. to where Chris Edwards was located, getting into it with tie cat fans and Chris Edwards. If you go back and watch the game at the very end of the game, the tie cats are kneeling the, the game out to, to end the game. 
He comes sprinting across the line of scrimmage and tries to earhole Brandon Banks. And then on the very next kneel down, the last kneel down of the game, he sprints across again, looking to do the same thing. And you see Banks throw his fists up. This looks to me like Chris Edwards just looking for a fight. Chris Edwards was embarrassed by his team's performance, maybe embarrassed by his own individual performance, and was looking to take his adrenaline out on someone, found a fan who allegedly spit beer or threw beer at him. And again, not condoning that at all. You're a friggin' idiot if you did that. But he hops into the stands, and then it starts to, starts going after fans. Yeah. That's, to me, if if fans don't belong on the players' area, players do not belong in the stands. Like, when I saw that video, do you remember the Malice at the Palace from yeah. uh, the, the basketball thing from about 15, 20 years ago? That's what cool. this reminded me of. It reminded me of Ron Artest going into the stadium because a fan threw a drink at Ron Artest. He goes into the stands and starts this giant fight. That's exactly what this reminded me of. The Argos, everyone involved in this is lucky it didn't escalate further than it did. Um, whether Chris Edwards got spit on, had beer spit on him, was swung at, regardless, he needs to be smarter in that situation. Walk away. We saw in the first uh, in the video that we just talked about where the fans were throwing trash. I think it's AJ Ouellette is walking by and he's just popping the bird to people. There's your response. Walk mm-hmm. away. Go ahead and get get into the locker room. Huddle around with your teammates and go. What a bunch of friggin' idiots these guys are. And 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 let it be. To hop into the stands. To me, you, that's an ex- that's just as inexcusable as fans hopping onto the field. Yeah, and, and he was he was all fired up, and I, you know I don't care how many beer cans you all. If you're you're a professional athlete, okay, and and there's no excuse for you know it doesn't make it, it right that things were thrown at him, but you just have to you have to walk, walk away, by, walk away. You cannot be jumping into the stands and throwing fists. I mean, this is like a um, this is a big story now. I saw like TMZ, and TMZ, all yeah. I had people who don't even watch the CFL at work. The first thing they asked me on Monday morning when I came into work was, how happy are you right now? And I was like, I'm ecstatic because I'm going to get to see my team play in a great cup. The second question was, what about that video? Like everyone is talking about this. This is, this is a national embarrassment right now. Yep. And uh, you, you just can't be doing that. And there's other, you know, um, members of this franchise that also did something stupid, allegedly. And, uh, you know, there's just the Ticat fans are to blame for being idiots. And the Argonaut player that jumped into the crowd is just as much of an idiot because um, you just have to ignore that shit. You just have to, you know, be the bigger man. You you know that fans are going to be idiots. Like in every fan base, you know there's going to be some dumbasses that are at the game you just have to ignore that stuff. Like you're a professional athlete. Like just go back into the locker room. I get it. You just lost the Eastern Final. You're mad. Um, he obviously had something against Tiger fans. Just like because he was flipping them off before the game. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there an incident at at the Tim Hortons Field with him? Was that? I heard. Something uh, no, that was not. Him. As far as I know, it wasn't him. Maybe it was. Uh, the one. I, the only incident I know of at Tim Hortons Field was uh, Dakud was tossing uh, Gatorade at fans in the stands after the Thanksgiving okay. game. Uh, that the Argos won, um, but That's maybe Edwards was involved. I that, but I I don't know if he was involved in anything like that. Okay. But right, you know, well, but here's the thing: mm-hmm. popping the bird and 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 ripping the, like there's because he also apparently t- uh, grabbed a, a fan's flag. I'm okay with that stuff. That's that's stoking the rivalry. You know what? Mm-hmm. Like I remember going to a playoff game. Um, uh, it was an Argos Ticats play. It was the 2010 East semifinal, and. Yes. 
the Argos, because so Old Ivor Wynn used to be able to stand behind in the in one of the end zones, which is where the Argos would or the opposing team would do their warmups. And I remember being back there, and guys were given. I remember Rob Murphy was just taking a like a tongue lashing, and he was like flipping them off, telling them to come on and bring it. And I'm okay with that stuff. Like John, I'm okay with the verbal abuse stuff. Yeah, like as lather as like as long as you don't cross the line. As long as you you know you know you don't. You don't be, race it, yeah, exactly. If you're just like, you know, oh, you're you're you suck, you're a piece of garbage. Like, if you're giving it and, and he's giving it back, I got no problems with that. I got no problems with Jalen Acklin after he scores a touchdown, going into the end zone and ripping the other guy's flag. I'm okay with that stuff. To me, it reminds me of a heel in wrestling grabbing a kid's sign and tearing it up, or grabbing a fan sign and tearing it up. I'm okay with that stuff. That to me, to me, that doesn't cross a line. It's once you start jumping into the other person's essentially safe space, that's to me when you've you've lost you've lost the argument for me. The fans that jump onto the field, you lose my support there. The players that jump into the stands, you lose my support there. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, you know the jumping into the stands by Chris Edwards is uh, avoidable, avoidable. Yeah, it, like where were the adults in the room here? Like, th- yeah. doesn't this, didn't this feel like the preschool class just getting too rambunctious and not knowing what to do with themselves? But then again, allegedly, one of the supposed adults in the room is also slapping fans. So, right. if if that's what you're getting from the top down, what do you, what else do you expect? And people and blaming he, the Tie Cats organization for this. Yeah. Like, I've seen people be yeah, like, "Why isn't Bob Young making a statement?" Well, we've seen some stuff come up about the Argos. Why haven't the Ar- where where are you Argo fans on on the Argos not making a statement about some of the things we saw? Like to me, there's there's no no one is right here. This is just a whole heck of a lot of people being wrong, and I'm not finger pointing or blaming anyone or you know what I mean. Like this is not MLSE's fault. This is not the Ty Cats or Bob Young or Scott Mitchell's fault. This is. This is a failure at every level, but to be pointing fingers at people who weren't involved. This is the fault of the people involved. That's it. If you're not involved in this, it's not your fault. And I don't know why people are so quick to want to chastise someone who had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? And the thing is, like, we're coming on this show right now, and I've said it on Twitter, like, we're saying that the Ticat fans are idiots. But yeah. like the people that I've talked, the Argo fans that I've talked to, like it's just like they ignore everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Chris Edwards thing, the uh, management, whatever happened there. Um, even McLeod Bethel Thompson pushing a cameraman. Yeah, like, that's that's pretty low too. I mean, yep. you know, that's you don't do that. He's just trying to do his job, and I get you're upset, but that you just it's just unacceptable. But these guys don't want to admit any wrongdoing by the Argonauts, and they're just. They're just, you know, fuming about the Ticat fandom and they want to make it about us all. And that's not the case. Like, there are some dummies, yes, but it's not the whole fan base. There's a lot of good people in this fan base, just like there's a lot of good people in the Riders fan base and they have a, a bad reputation too. But you can't paint the brush with, you know, you, it's, it's not all of us. And that just makes me upset that they're trying to do that. It doesn't bother me that I try to do that because I think anyone who works in generalizations like that is not worth talking to. If you're like if you're painting everyone with the same brush, then you're not worth my my time and effort. And what do you want us to do about it? What do yeah. you want Bob Young to do about it? Like if he says something, like I wouldn't care if he said like that's unacceptable behavior. That you know that's fine. Um, but I was saying like if every time 
one of you know a fan base gets violent, some of the fan base gets violent. You watch like in the NFL, like there's fights, there's brawls in the in the stands. Every there's week. stabbings. There's stabbings, and like, yeah, someone was killed at an LA Dodgers game because he was wearing a San Francisco Giants shirt. Yes. I like know, murdered. That's not this, that's not the the franchise's problem. Like people make their own decisions, and someone said that it was the Thai Cats marketing. Yeah, that that you know give me a break like, you know the takeover the six and whatever like that the, too, too aggressive it's too aggressive like it's football get a, get a grip it's football football's aggressive did anyone make these remember i don't know if you remember this but way back in the day when um the red blacks first came back they had a group of fans that would do these things i think they were called our nation invasions and they would they would promote it, and the team would would get behind it, and they would talk about bringing busloads of people to away games, basically in Montreal, Toronto, and, and Hamilton, because they're obviously more accessible than the teams out west. It's like marketing is is the reason that a bunch of people had too many beers and decided to be jerks. Marketing's the reason that I, I it, to me that's that's nonsense. Like it's football. This is a rivalry. I, I've been to some of these blackout. Toronto games and this stuff doesn't happen. This was, I I don't I don't know. I just to, to place the blame on anyone but the individuals involved to me is you're deflecting and trying to talk about something. You're trying to make it a bigger issue. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you're. I don't the, the know. Just the Argonaut fans don't understand is when you have a fan base of over ten people, there's going to be more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're going there, are we? There, I don't give a crap anymore about their feelings about their attendance. Get more fans, you know. Yeah. Like seriously, when you have a big fan base like the Tiger Cats have, there's going to be more idiots. Yeah. And they don't understand that because they have no fans. Five percent of five hundred and five percent of five hundred thousand. Right. Different, different number. I mean, yeah. will you think this rivalry will be as big when it's the Halifax Argonauts? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, Josh. I mean, it's hard to get a hate on for Halifax. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've never been out there, but I've been out east, obviously, and you have too. It's, yeah. it's so lovely out there. It's really hard to uh, to dislike the people out there. Um, another thing, just this, not really a point about this. Could you imagine what people would be saying if Simone Lawrence had been the one that jumped into the crowd? Oh my god! You know what I, I mean? Like, think about it, man. I mean, he did jump into the crowd and celebrated with Ticat fans after the victory, which I thought was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what else I thought was awesome before we before we move on? Orlando Stein. This gave me actually gave me chills and goosebumps. Orlando Steinhauer's uh, interview after the game, when he was asked what does it mean, and he said we're coming home, and then at the end of it said told the team to acknowledge the fans. I thought that was really freaking cool. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh, big ups to Coach O for that. And, you know, the fans, I mean, the, the players appreciate it. Like, they wouldn't go into the, I, I heard they went all the way around and, and, like, you know, celebrated with all the fans. That's they, awesome. They feel the love and they appreciate it. Okay, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to do this just because I'm, nah, to hell with it, I'm going in. Danny Austin of, uh, I don't know, whatever rag he writes for out in Calgary. Oh, it's that right wing rag, trash rag. Seems to have an issue with your boy here, Mike. Um, so he went on a little temper tantrum on Twitter after the whole McLeod Bethel Thompson thing came out. And I don't know, just, I, I did, I don't know. Did he have money on the game or something and, and, and took the Argos minus the points? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did. 
Um, but he was he was freaking out about how the league if the league didn't let him play it was unfair and all this other sorts of nonsense and we're not going to re-debate that you and i had a special episode a couple of days ago that we did that on and i know there's people that i work with at three down that didn't agree with my opinion on that but it was my opinion that he shouldn't have played i took a shot at at at, at young daniel in my piece uh and he he didn't take too kindly to that, so he's been subtweeting me on Twitter for a little while. He actually was like, "I hope that uh, that Ty Cats fan that writes for Three Down says uh, just as much about the what the fans did to the Argos players as he does uh, about McLeod not playing." So, I mean, I I don't uh, I don't take orders from him. I don't. He's not my boss, so I don't really have to write what he wants me to write. He also called me a geek, which I'm like, I've been called so many things on on Twitter. Like, if you're gonna insult me. Like, at least insult me with something good. Like, the dude that called me uh, a glorified fanboy, like, that's at least good. The guy yeah. that back in the day called me a disloyal pig, like, like if you're going to insult me, be... Real creative. Yeah, I get creative. Like, I hear it so much. I get so much hate because people, you make opinions online, people are not going to like it. I get it. It's whatever. I, I laugh at it. But Danny, see, I will call, I, I mean, he put out these tweets where he, knows he was, your name. He, he knows he, what your fucking name is. But even if he, even if he doesn't, even even if I'm nothing to him, that's fine because he's nothing to me. But I, I called him out. I, I I quote tweeted his tweets and basically told him to get the f out of here. At least, at least at me. Like, don't subtweet me. Don't be a coward. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to say something to me, say something to me. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I'm I, I don't care. His opinion There's a about, lot of righteousness that comes out of his uh, Twitter account. He's like such he's a baby. Yeah. He throws these temper tantrums when things don't go his way. Like all, I, I countless stories I've heard about this guy. That bad. Like you, you just said that you know he broke protocol, Macbeth. Yep. And you don't think he, he should play? Like, yeah. what's the big deal? The I same... disagree with you. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't care. Like I didn't. You know, call you names or whatever. Call you a geek or a nerd <laughs> like or a geek. The hell he said. What 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 are we? What is this? A nineteen eighties teen comedy? Like what are you? What are you? The the cool jock who wants to fight the nerd? Like like what are you talking about here? Like geek? Like come oh, on! My uh, cat in the background's like scratching at the at the litter box. My apologies. <laughs> uh, a little professional uh, <laughs> podcast we run here. Oh yeah, very very well. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't even live with anyone, and I shut my door. <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, the litter box. He was whining outside. Anyways, anyways. Oh, wow, damn cat. Um, I, I just it, look. If you get that mad, and people have been big mad about some of the things I've said the last couple of days on online. If you uh, if you haven't checked out my Twitter, please do because I have had an absolute blast. Like, how is that app still free? Like the things. Like it's super negative most of the time, but I got to tell you when it's, when people get so angry about things, like I sent my dad a screenshot of the dude who changed his Twitter name to Josh Smith is an idiot. I sent it to my dad and his immediate response was, what did you do now? Like I sent it to friends of mine. I was at work nearly in tears laughing because I, I, am not important why would someone go out of their way to in in mr austin's case subtweet me and in this other guy's case change his twitter handle because i made them that mad over football get a grip people it's not important we do this for fun we watch sports for 
fun. It's just mind boggling that people get this upset about stuff. It is. And uh, I'm just going to pat myself on the back because my douche meter is through the roof. I mean, I talked about Bo, you know, for many years. And then you saw, I mean, you tweeted me or you said something on Twitter. I get why Mike doesn't like him. Yeah. And then there's some other people I can't recall. But Danny Austin, it was going, you know, my meter was going crazy on him, like at least a couple months ago. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, I have no time for him. I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't care what he thinks. Um, he can write for that, you know, that right wing trash rag son or whatever it is, the, the Calgary son. Um, you know, and he, he was saying stuff about the CFL, not because the, the, the guys that pick or whatever, a couple months ago, he's saying it's not diverse enough or something. And mm. I get that, whatever. But when you write for the sun, you yeah. shouldn't be in stones. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all Excuse just me. funny to me. I, I, it's to me. It's it doesn't make it. it I don't it doesn't change my life. I just think nope. it's just so ridiculous. But anyway, I think we spent enough time on the yep. BS and the nonsense. I and hope that like, it's the game. Get to the game, boys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we're almost a half an hour into this. We haven't even talked about the game yet. I hope that us talking about the 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 fan stuff at the beginning. I hope I hope Danny Austin's hope that I hope that assuages him and he's cool. Now we we don't have to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this game, Mike, because. I came on the podcast last week when we were talking about uh, on our special episode with the McLeod Bethel Thompson, Jeremiah Mazzoli vaccination stuff. And I said that I didn't care about the game. I wasn't even feeling it. I, it, it, it didn't matter to me. You texted me after the game and what I can't remember what you said. I'm going to see, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find the text. Cause, uh, you texted me after the game and you said <laughs> very simply, you excited? Question mark. And I responded with you, not at all. And then immediately after, in all caps, I'm effing pumped. And I got to be honest with you. I try not to lie to our fans, our listeners. I try not to lie in general in my life. I like to consider myself a pretty honest dude. Uh, I am who I am. I'm opinionated. I'm a jerk, whatever. As the game was winding down and as the momentum started swinging the Ticats way, I had to admit that I had lied to myself. I in the first half it was very easy to to admit to to be like no, I didn't care about this because the game was garbage. And then Poppy White returns the punt. And then they get a stop. And then they fake the field goal and get the first down. And then on the next play Jalen Acklin scores. And then on the next drive Dane Evans punches it in. And at that point I'm full full blown homer. I'm I'm I can't believe it we're going to the cup. Like I'm 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 done. And at that moment, I'm like, I guess I do care. I guess I do care. So, yes, all, to all the people out there who, and Mike was one of them, who were worried about my my state, I, I cared. I cared a lot. So I apologize for maybe not being entirely truthful when we spoke last. You were, you were wrapped up in your emotions, Josh. Maybe okay. maybe I was. Maybe I was. But uh, anyway, Ticats win the East Final, 27-19. We got to start with the quarterback, do we not? This yep. was, and I and I don't say this hyperbolically. I say this literally. Dane Evans was perfect. Dane Evans comes in in relief of Jeremiah Mazzoli, who wasn't bad. If you look at Mazzoli's numbers, I think he was, uh, let me pull it up here. He was four for six for 22 yards. Not great. No one's going to say that's great. But then he had the, the, the fumble, and he nearly had the interception. People are going to forget that because it came off the board, but he did throw an interception on, like I think it was the first pass of the game. And he has the fumble. 
Orlando Steinhardt goes with his gut, makes the switch. Dane Evans comes in, and it's not like the like he came in what third series of the game, so it's still probably the first quarter. Maybe it's the start of the second quarter, but I'm pretty sure it was still in the first quarter. And it's not like the Ticats started lighting it up. They they did move the ball a little bit, um, especially near the end of the half. They were getting into field goal range, but another fumble um, negated that. Although we ended up getting the ball back and then kneeled out to end the half. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a second because I think that was a very that was a big play that might not be something that people are going to remember because I think people are going to think the turning point was a punt return, but I'm, I can argue that it was the, the strip by Evans. But then the second half started, and he was un, he looked unstoppable. He looked absolutely unstoppable. And there's, I think it was Matthew Schnetti asked Orlando Steinhauer, it was either yesterday or, or right after the game, who's going to start in the Grey Cup? And Steinhauer answered like, I, you're asking me that now? There's no question who should start in the Grey Cup. It's Dane Evans. Dane Evans is the future of this franchise. Dane Evans should be the guy that they sign at the end of the season. He should be the future franchise quarterback, starting quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He was masterful. 16 of 16 for 249 yards, one touchdown pass, two touchdown runs. What more could you ask for? You can't ask for anything more than that. I'm just going to say this uh, right now that... Uh... You know, all the people who were saying that Dan Evans should be the guy, they were completely right. Yep. Um, now I don't agree with, like, some of the harshness on Mazzoli. Like, I still think that Mazzoli is a good quarterback, but Dane should have been in there the whole time. I mean, to come into a game off the bench in a playoff game and not throw an incompletion is just outstanding. He has control of this offense. He is confident. You can tell by the way that he steps up and throws the ball. He he was just feeling it that day, and uh, I can I can admit I was wrong that uh, you know when Dane was healthy this year and he came in for those two games and he played really well they should have stuck stuck with Dane um, I can admit that and uh, you know it's uh, it's okay it's okay I'm happy with both of them and uh, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, we found our quarterback because I think he's he's the guy he's the guy in the Grey Cup and he's the guy you know, going into the future for many seasons, hopefully. I do genuinely believe that if he doesn't get hurt in that Argos game, he would have maintained the starting job. I really do. I think that opened the door for Mazzoli. And, like, because let's not forget, as as bad as Mazzoli has been in some games, and he wasn't great when he played in this one, and he definitely wasn't great the last time they played the Argos, this team has won six of their last seven games, all with him starting. Aside from this one, and and here's the here's the thing for also for the QB wins crowd, because Mazzoli started the game, he's technically the quarterback of record and therefore gets the win for this game. That that that's why I don't I don't look at quarterback wins as a thing because yeah. you can throw six passes, fumble, get pulled in the first quarter, and you still get the win. That's you know you know what I mean. Like that's stupid. Um, and, and thumbs up to Orlando for for pulling the trigger because yeah. I know that he's a big Mazzoli guy. And, you know, you could just feel it, that this offense wasn't moving. It wasn't flowing. Um, just the way that Mazzoli had all that time on that play where he fumbled. And, he's, you know, he's, he looked like he was, like, a little scared. You know, he kind of has happy feet. Um, it, it just wasn't his day, and uh, Orlando made the right decision, obviously. Yeah, and you know what? And you said this weeks ago. What's the point of having 1A and 1B if when 1A doesn't have it, you're, you don't go to 1B? And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the team listens to the show. That's absolutely ridiculous. Orlando Steinhauer and the coaching staff is not taking advice from you or I. But that's exactly what happened in this one. One A didn't have it, 
and he felt early. He's this is not his day. Made the switch, and one B comes in, and look what happens. Like Dane Evans saved this season because if they don't make the switch, the Ticats do not win this game. The defense was absolutely phenomenal in this one, and we'll get to them in a second. But they were great the entire game, and we were down twelve nothing at halftime. Dane Evans came in and cooked, and whether it was a lot of it was to Jalen Acklin, who he's got a good rapport with, but even Speedy. It feels like when Dane's in there, Speedy's better. And I don't know why that is, but the, do you feel the same way? Like, Banks had this one, like, the one big, like, 50-yard catch in this one. Yeah. I just feel like there's something about Dane that just elevates everybody else. And that's not a knock on Mazzoli. I think it's just there's something about him that I think that, like, je ne sais quoi, that, like, intangibles, as the sports fans like to use. He's got those intangibles that you just can't coach or quantify. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of stole my thing that I was going to say because you mentioned Brandon Banks gets better, and I was going to say the whole offense seems to just, like, get more um, energy. Uh, They just seem to play better, and I I don't know why that is, and maybe I'm wrong with that evaluation, but uh, it just seems that way. You know, the running game got better. Uh, the passing game, the receivers seemed to get open, you know. And even when Dane came in, I noticed that uh, he had a couple deep shots that he didn't take early on. Like Banks was wide open on one play, mm-hmm. and, and uh, there was another play. It might have been Banks again that was wide open. Maybe he didn't have enough time to, to toss it, but I, I thought he did. Um, so he, he, he was – obviously he was perfect, but he missed a couple, you know, possible deep balls uh, early on. But uh, you yeah, know. the ones where it looked like he was about to throw and then kind of tucked it back in. Is those yeah. the ones you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. And a friend, when, when I was watching the game with my friends, my one friend's like, "Oh, he's just protecting his his perfect start." And it's like, yeah. obviously, that's not true. Um, and obviously, he said it in jest, and we all kind of chuckled about it. But um, yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Like, I remember they showed one one of them. I don't know what it was. They showed another angle, like from behind the quarterback. And mm-hmm. if you looked on the field, you're, and again, we didn't see the whole field, so maybe there was a safety that we missed or what have you. Um, but it looked like he had someone. I don't know if it was Banks or Tim White. It was someone down the middle of the field that would have been, if he would have hit him, would have been a, like a walk-in touchdown. But, you know, I mean, who am I to criticize a guy that goes exactly. 16 and leads us to the Grey Cup championship? So, exactly. I'm not um, going to – again, this no. this game wasn't perfect. The first half was, was awful. But when you see such great play, it's really hard to, to spend too much time being negative, right? Like, yes, there are things that didn't – that weren't great in this game, but – when you see literal perfection, like I, I again, I don't know. I don't. I, I just have the the game stats in front of me. I'll, I'll have to maybe look it up, and maybe we'll talk about it when we do our our later in the week game preview. Um, I don't know the last time a quarterback went without an incompletion in a game in the CFL that that had more than say like you know ten passes, right? And in a playoff game, I mean yeah. that's just off the of. bench. Like it's all it's all crazy. None of it makes sense. Like and I know he's defensive consultant in uh, air quotes but a chris jones defense as well who just throws some crazy crap at you and like he tries to confuse you on every single play for him to be perfect against uh a defensive coordinator like that is uh even makes it even more impressive for me the mvp of the playoffs so far has been jagari davis the what he's done in these past two games has been nothing short of remarkable uh, he had another two sacks in this one. He had two the week before. The pass breakup, when he's in co- man-to-man coverage with DJ Foster, he could have played DB with, with like 
obviously he can't because of his size, but that was you couldn't have asked for more from that from a defensive back than what he did there. He has been almost single-handed. Like this defense has been awesome these past two weeks to go into a game to not allow a touchdown. Like nineteen points is yeah okay, it's a lot of points. It was what uh, six field goals and a, and a missed a missed field goal. If you're if you go in any game you go into, if you tell me that a team is going to not give up a touchdown, I feel pretty confident they're going to win that game. And this defense, led by Jagarrett Davis, who has been out of his mind the last two weeks, is the big reason why. Absolutely, the guys the guys a beast. Um, you know, didn't have the biggest regular season, you know, numbers wise and all that stuff. Um, but playoffs, Save it for the playoffs. He's playing DB. When he made that play, I lost my mind. Yeah. Like, I was screaming like a madman. I'm out by my, well, my uh, my girlfriend's son was in the basement sleeping. And, like, <laughs> I don't know how he didn't hear me, but I was <laughs> losing my mind over this play. And uh, I just, uh, it, it looked, it, he reaches out. He looked like a DB, a really good one at yeah. that. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. That's for sure. It looked like Delvin Bro out there back in the day. Yeah. Like he is. It was picture. Now it was it was a bit of an underthrow by 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 McLeod Bethel Thompson. I'll give you that. Sure. But you still have to make a play, and mm-hmm. and Jagarry Davis made a play. So um, running back on a defensive end. Yeah, like, running a wheel oh. route on a defensive end. It's yeah. that that shouldn't happen. That no. that that's a, that's a defensive breakdown in most schemes. For for mm-hmm. Davis, it's just another day at the ballpark. Um, if he has another game like that. In the Grey Cup, the Ticats will win, and he should be given, even if it's not a huge stack game and maybe the quarterback goes off or a running back goes off or what have you, because of what he's done right now, and I know it's just, I know you only give MVP for the game. There's got to, Jagarrett Davis should be the MVP for the Grey Cup if the Cats win and he has another monster game based on the body of work in these entire playoffs. He has been the best player on any team I've seen so far play in the playoffs. And another guy that had a great game on the defensive line is Carney. Who who yep. you know isn't a starter? Nope, um, hasn't been a starter for this whole time, and uh, he had a massive game as well. Not as big as Jagarrett Davis, but that's you know that's a tall that's a tall task. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what is it? He had a tackle for a loss and a sack. He had the first sack of the game, if I'm not mistaken. And what did we say going into the game when we did our preview? We said you gotta disrupt McLeod Bethel Thompson, and now he didn't turn the ball over. He wasn't the fumble machine or the interception machine that Trevor Harris was a week ago. But they got in his face enough that it disrupted his flow. The near interception to Tunde Adelike was because someone got into his face and he couldn't step into the throw. And man, I, I kind of wish that w- that would have been that would have been that was at the end of the game, so the game was kind of already in in hand anyway. But man, what an athletic effort by Adelike on that one, right? It would have been the you know the you know the icing on the cake. Yeah, the cherry uh, on top of the Sunday is what I think you're exactly, looking for. Exactly. Yeah, you know that nice interception. You know, he just missed. He had one foot. And he's had a hell of a playoffs too, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's been great. Um, you and know, he played out of position again. in this one because um, yeah. uh, who got hurt? Desmond Lawrence got hurt and they had to shuffle it around again. He was playing freaking halfback again. Yeah, he can He can do it all. Uh, let's just, you know, I want him back, I want him back in his normal, normal position for next week. But um, it's great to know that a, 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 a Canadian that plays safety can also play, you know, any position, uh, you know, DB, cornerback, halfback, whatever. So he, he's a he's so important to this team. Um, I hope I hope he's a tie cat for the rest of his career. Well, I do too, because especially him and Davis. I want them both in black and gold for the rest of their career because yeah. both those guys have spent. Davis has been in the league five years. Adelike four. They've never not gone to the Grey Cup. So 
I want that guy on my team even just as a good luck. I, when Davis retires, I want him to be on the team because he's good luck. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. think about think about how impressive that is. Now he spent both those guys spent time in Calgary and they were running through the West. But to be to have your season end in the final game of the in, in the championship game every year, that's incredible. I don't care what I don't care what position you play, and, they're, they're, and it's not like they're hangers on. These aren't. You know, this isn't uh, Gail Gilbert back in the early 90s who went to five straight Super Bowls because he was the third stringer on the Bills and then the third stringer on the Chargers when they uh, when they went to the, the the Super Bowl. This These are guys that are contributing and playing on the team and making their teams better, have been to five and four consecutive Grey Cups. That's an, that's an incredible, incredible achievement. It is, you know, some, even in a small league, league like this, it, uh, you know, some players that never make it to a Grey Cup. So to make it to four or five in a row is just incredible. We got to talk about Jalen Acklin. He was awesome in this one. I, the, the touchdown that he didn't get where he stumbled and missed by about a yard and a half. You, I wanted him so badly to get that. This was, he has had another guy had a kind of a quiet regular season was decent. I think he ended up finishing second on the team and receiving, but uh, with the new guys, Dunbar and white kind of stepping up and they got a little bit more of the headlines and the offense obviously too. Wasn't, wasn't the same as it was two years ago. But to see him at step up at a big game, eight catches, uh, a buck twelve, one touchdown, just uh, a monster performance from him on one of the biggest stages. Yeah, thrown it eight times, caught the ball eight times. Yep, uh, can't ask for my, can't ask for anything better than that. No. Uh, well, I mean, everyone yeah, who was who, everyone who had the ball thrown to them caught it every time. After Dane came in, especially. Yeah, that's that that is true. <laughs> um, but we all knew, you know, Jalen Acklin had a great rookie season with the Ty Cats. And um, we knew what kind of talent he was. Uh, and man, did he show it on this day. It's just uh, he, you know, this receiving core, even with uh, with Addison out, uh, we still got a really strong group of guys. Yeah. Um, Don Jackson. Got to mention Don Jackson. I said before the Argos game a few weeks ago, and I said going into this one, that I felt he was a difference maker. And he didn't start hot. But when they leaned on him at the end to kill clock and to pick up first downs, he he was he was everything you could have asked for. Sixteen carries, ninety five yards, nearly six yards per carry. I mean, this is the guy that they this was their prize free agent acquisition, and now he's he's playing the biggest in the games that matter the most. I thought he was incredible in this one, and I am looking forward to seeing what pardon me what he can do. Against the Bombers, uh, who didn't, who he didn't play against when when uh, these two teams met in the first game of the season. So, a uh, big shout out to Jackson. I thought he was awesome in this one as well. Yeah, and kudos to the to the Ticats for not abandoning the run. Nope. Even though we were down in the first half, um, you know they came out in the third third quarter and it seemed that they 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 started feeding him and into the fourth especially. You know, he almost had a hundred yards on the ground every time he touches the ball. I feel like we're going to get at least five yards. I mean, and it makes sense because his average is almost six. So I just feel so confident in this running back that um, he needs to be utilized a lot uh, next Sunday. And I think he will be because they got to know what they have in him. Mm-hmm. They definitely do. They definitely do. Um, turning points in this game. There's, I think there were a lot of them. I think the, the big one that everyone will talk about as kind of the spark was the punt return. But I think mm-hmm. even before that... Um, the two times the Argos drove and were stopped inside the five and settled for field goals, I think if imagine if those field goals were touchdowns. Now you're down, the the game would have been over. You're you're done. You're cooked. Down down two scores and then attack on all the field goals on top of that. It, it it's over in the first half. But the Ticats defense once again, like they did against the Alouettes, they bent a little bit. But when it came crunch time, 
Garrett Davis making tackles in the backfield, and they get the stops and they force field goals. That, to me, is going to be a story going into the Grey Cup as well. If the Ticats, even if they give up some yards, if you're not scoring touchdowns, or you're not allowing touchdowns, I mean, you got a chance to win. And to do that for a second consecutive week, I think that those stops, even though it gave up points, kind of kept the team in it. Like, it was 12 nothing at halftime, and yet the Argos looked like they dominated, but hadn't found the end zone. And I think that that did something to the team as they entered the locker room. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, it was massive. You know, the uh, Thompson looked really good at the start of this game. Um, he was picking apart the defense, marching down the field. But once they got into the red zone, they, they shut them down. And, you know, you got a question. I think Dwayne Ford said, you know, maybe they should be going for the touchdown on the second field goal attempt mm-hmm. that the Argos made um, just to, you know, rack up some points. But they, they, they took the field goals. Um, and that, that was a huge thing for the Ticats. I mean, 12 nothing. You don't want to be down 12 nothing, but it's a lot better than what it could have been. And we were, you know, 12 nothing's not a huge lead in the CFL traditionally. So um, we were still in it at halftime because of the defense shutting down um, a marching Toronto Argonauts offense. Yeah, the punt return was the one that woke me up. Uh, that, to me, was the ultimate turning point. Like, I think there were a couple in this game. The, I'd mentioned those. The punt return was all, like... It was it was it was just it was the special teams in this game were great. The the fake field goal, which really wasn't a, like they brought I know they brought the field goal team out, but it's not like it was a traditional fake field goal. They brought it out and then Evans goes under center, takes a snap and runs for the first down. And then the very next play throws a touchdown pass to tie the game. Like special we we kind of waited all year for for Reinbold to bust out some special team stuff. He saved it for almost the perfect time, did he not? He absolutely did. And uh you know, kudos to them for saving it because if we kick the field goal there, I mean, it'd be 12, 12, nine, I believe, um, which would, you know, we're still, you know, gaining ground on the Argonauts. We're still putting up points would would have been great, but, but to keep the drive going and then actually score the touchdown and tie up the game. Um, at that point you knew, okay, we're coming. Um, the, the Argonauts offense had slowed down by that point. We were just starting to build momentum and I had a good feeling at this when it was 12-12 that we were going to take over this game. Uh, same, same. The act, I, I was I started feeling it after the punt return, the Poppy White punt, punt return. I really started I started feeling it a little bit more after the fake. I really started feeling it after they tied the game. I was like, okay, this feels like we're going downhill fast now, and they can't stop us. Absolutely, and it was a beautiful thing. Um, you know, we talked about the entertainment value of the league a lot this year. Um, and that first half wasn't wasn't great. Um, you know, it wasn't terrible. Like the like, if you're just watching it from a non-fan perspective, the Argonauts were moving the ball a lot. Um, the Ticats not so much. But that second half was some of the most exciting football I've watched in a long time. Just because, you know, the comeback being such a big Ticats fan, it was it was just just so fun to watch, and it reignited my passion for this league. I think. You know what I think might be a little I mean I won't no I I I think it's getting the attention it deserves the crowd the crowd mm-hmm. at that game and I know we talked about at the top the nonsense that happened at the end but during the game itself you could hear that coming through the speakers man yeah. that was yeah. like I was going to say like we were talking I can't remember what you you said something earlier and I was going to be like and he did it on the road but it was like was it really on the road because when the when the Ticats were on offense it was loud don't get me wrong the Argos fans made some noise when the Argos were on offense, 
it was deafening. I don't know what the split was in the crowd. I doubt it was 50-50. People always say that. Oh, there's, or maybe there's even more Ticat fans there. I, I don't buy that. No, I don't um, buy that. Also, I don't buy the Argonaut play, uh, fans saying that, you know, it's a very, like, it's there's some Ticat fans there, but it's not that much. Oh, no. Wayne Ford on the broadcast said, if it's not half and half, it's very close to it. So, he, you know, take that what you will. They showed the stands during the broadcast. There was a lot of black in that on where people wearing in that stands i saw videos from people who were at the game showing the throngs of tie cap fans just descending upon the gates like look if you're saying it it was 75 25 i think you're lying if you're saying it's 70 you know 60 40 tie cats in favor i think you're over exaggerating um 60 40 argos favor 55 45 maybe and if, if Dwayne Ford, who's very who's impartial observer, he's not there to pump anyone's tires. If he said it was close to 50-50, I'm, in, I'm inclined to believe him. But when you heard them on TV, and to me, it was, it felt like a Grey Cup. You know how you watch a Grey Cup and it's always loud because everyone's cheering? Because, you know, there's a lot of casual, like casual fans who like whose team's not in the game. Um, that's what this felt like. This The atmosphere there must have been off the charts. Yeah, even with, you know, it was I think it was 21,000 there. But apparently that stadium can get pretty darn loud, and mm-hmm. uh, the rowdy Ticat fans, you know, making all the noise that they can. It uh, it just sounded impressive on television. What did you make of this? And this is the this is the the third of the final kind of three turning points for me in this game. What did you make of Dane Evans' strip after the Dunbar fumble? Like that to me, I think was just as important because it kept point. The Argos were going to get at least a field goal. But with where I think they got, I think they ended up, Evans ended up stripping the ball at like the 30, Ticats 30 yard line or something. And it just felt like the Ticats were, were moving the ball. Um, I think they were in Argo, like near the red zone. Like the, it looked like maybe even if they don't score a touchdown, perhaps you get a field goal and kind of cut into that lead, give yourself a little, a little boost going into halftime. But I, I almost think that the Evans tracking it down, shedding the block, which I think it, people need to, like, he's he's getting blocked, and he gets off the block, and then literally rips the ball out of Shaq Richardson's arms. I think that almost meant more than it would have meant if they would have kicked a field goal. Yeah, I think so, too. Just, the, you know, the effort, I, when it first happened, when we first fumbled, I was like, oh, my God, how can yep. this team, like, just shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again in this game? And then Dane Evans, you know, the... the the effort on his part to, uh, I mean, first of all, who was it, Shaq Richardson? The guy was holding it like a loaf of bread. It was oh, I know. Game. It was just terrible. Like, you're a football player? Uh, I guess so. Um, but for Dane Evans to, like like you said, shed that block, get in there, rip the ball away from him, and take it back so we won't give up any more points in the half was huge. Just to see that effort yep. by the quarterback doing that had to um, – you know, rile up the team, make the team want to give the effort that Dane was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but after they won the game and this, the, the, we're coming home thing, did that, did that give you goosebumps too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, you know, the, the fandom is, is strong in Tiger town. Um, and I know that there's a bad side to it. Like we talked about earlier, but, um, Hamilton loves this team, man. They really do. They've loved them for a long time, and the players love the fans as well. So, I, I, I almost feel bad that I'm not going to be there on Sunday. For, unfortunately, um, you know, I just, I just can't afford it right now. But uh, 
I'm gonna. I might have tears in my eyes watching this game on TV. To be honest with you. Oh, I've already told my friends that if we if we win on Sunday, that I will be full blown crying in the stands. And, and we and suck- I think with the Mosca stuff, you know, Mosca passing away, we're in the Grey Cup. It's it's too bad. I know that you know he had Alzheimer's and uh, maybe he couldn't you know appreciate the moment if he was still here. But uh, you know, to win it for him would be outstanding for his family to watch this game for a victory for the Ticats, I'm sure they would appreciate it a lot. 49 years after he played his final game on the very same grounds that this game will be played on, the last time the Ticats hoisted the championship at home. it's You said it earlier, it's stuff movies are made of. Um, we might Maybe we don't get that storybook ending. Maybe we do. We'll find out in a few days. Uh, I'm just excited that we're... And again, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it's nice to be in the championship again. Like mm-hmm. this is that we all thought the Ticats would be here and yeah, maybe the road was a little more windy and scenic than we thought. Who gives a crap if they win it, right? Exactly. I mean, who exactly. Cares about what happened the regular season or leading up to it. Yep. Um, you know, it was a bit of a disappointing regular season, like uh, from, you know, I predicted 11, 30, 11 and three, and that was not the case. The offense was not great this whole season. Um, but for to end with the Grey Cup championship would just be, all that crap would be erased. All the, the you know the uh, the football that we watched that was a little underwhelming, uh, a little boring. All that crap would be erased because the Ticats won the championship. Finally, absolutely. That's, that's all. That's all. Absolutely. Uh, okay, player of the game. This was hard. So Very Mike, nice. you and I decided to cheat a little bit, like we did a few weeks ago. And we're going to give a guy on offense and a guy on defense player of the week. I think it's pretty darn obvious who those guys are. We've talked effusively about them. Offensively, it's Mr. Perfect himself, Dane Evans. I already said the numbers. I'll say them again. 16 for 16, 249, a touchdown, two touchdown runs. And on defense, it's Ja'Garrett Davis. I've said he's the MVP of the playoffs so far. I stand by that. In this game, he had three tackles, two sacks, and a pair of pass knockdowns in the brilliant play. Uh in the end zone on uh, DJ Foster. Without these two guys in this lineup, we're not talking about the Ticats playing next Sunday. I wholeheartedly believe that. No, absolutely not. These guys brought it this game. Jagarrett Davis has been amazing this whole playoff run. Um, what can you say about Dane Evans? Comes off, comes off the bench, comes in, is perfect. Um, I mean, we talked about it quite a bit this episode, but those guys were outstanding. And, uh, you're right. We wouldn't be in the Grey Cup game if it wasn't for them. So you're out there listening to the show and realize, oh my God, they're already about an hour in and they still haven't even talked about the Grey Cup yet. That's because we're not going to be talking about the Grey Cup today. Uh, Mike and I have decided that we are going to wait a little bit to give our game preview. We, we're thinking Friday. I, I give a peek behind the curtain. We're thinking sometime Friday maybe record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's you know it, it, we could do it Saturday. We're uh, we're both off Saturday. You could do it early in the morning, but I'm uh, off Friday too. You know, I'm, oh, tomorrow's my oh. last day of work. I'm 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 great cupping, baby. Right, and I got uh, I got Monday and Tuesday off. You know, after the great cup. Oh, so. you can fly in for the parade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll Facetime yeah, you during the parade, so you'll be there you know, as early as we can, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I 
I have been given media access to some of the things at Grey Cup, so I'm hoping to get to uh, a couple of practices, maybe see what's going on there so we can give some people maybe a little more insight into what's going on. Uh, we'll also talk about some some news around the league. Uh, I was We were going to get to it today, but I think we'll, we'll get to it We'll get to it next time. The, the Chris Drevler news that Paul LaPolice wants him as the starting quarterback in Ottawa mm. next year. Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, we'll talk about that uh, when we when we sit down to discuss the Grey Cup, and then any sort of news that comes out of uh, things that are happening in Grey Cup time, we'll probably have some uh, some rumors floating around about who the new general manager in Ottawa and Edmonton and the new head coach in Edmonton could be. So there's a lot of stuff that we could be talking about. So we're going to come out with another episode uh, later in the week, like Mike said, maybe more than likely Friday, uh, potentially Saturday, but uh, we'll dig into the Grey Cup. We'll do a, a real deep preview of the game. I'm super excited for this game, uh, especially after seeing... Now, I, admittedly, I didn't see the game. I was at the Forge soccer match, so I didn't see the West Final, but reading about what happened, Winnipeg did not exactly look like a juggernaut. Um, Hamilton's going to have the hometown fans behind them. This, uh, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of 2019, but we will get into all the Grey Cup goodness, all the things that we're expecting from this game, how we think the Ticats could win, um, and all that other good stuff uh, later in the week. So, uh, Mike... Five days, five days. That's all that's left until uh, we we know who the champion in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty nineteen. Good lord, I'm I'm going back in time. Uh, who the champion in twenty twenty one is? Uh, God, I hope it's us. <laughs> I just hope it's us. I know it's you know two thousand thirteen. We're there. We lost. I don't even remember the years specifically anymore. But we've been in the Great Cup a couple of times in the last ten years and. <sighs> It'll be tough to lose again, especially at home. So um, I know no one wants to win more than the players and the coaches, but please win, please. <laughs> All right, so we're, we'll talk everything Grey Cup net later in the week. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, that was Podskiwi for this week. I'm Josh Smith. Or I guess that's not for the week. I guess that's Podskiwi for now. I don't really know what to say right now. For the next couple days? Yeah. Okay, that's Podskiwi for now. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.